Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Chris Lantinen of Stereo Confidential fame. Hello, Deanna. Thank you very much for having me. We've been longtime uh, friends and kind of co-workers a little bit and podcast you know, buds <laughs> yeah podcast buds acquaintances all yeah all kinds of different labels so um it's i'm glad to finally be on this particular show because i was on your i was on your last show before right misaligned yes at some okay. point i don't remember when everything blurs yeah, together <laughs> I, don't, I don't either but i've never been on this show and i've always liked it and a couple weeks ago we you know decided to do it and eventually settled on this topic. So I'm I'm excited. Me too. We're talking about our mid-year movie lists. And, you know, I've done the last two years of movies with Mitchell McDonald. So if you haven't checked mm. out our 2017 and 2018 in film episodes, I'll link to those here. But, you know, mid-year lists are kind of important too, because it really just gives you an idea of where things were at the beginning of the year and sort of what's coming next. And I think, you know, there are still quite a few big movies coming out. You know, it's only really the start of the summer movie season here. Mm -hmm. Well, we've already got a bunch of summer bummers out of the way. It seems yes. like the, the summer <laughs> movie season has been, uh, I don't want to use the word depressing, but it seems like a lot of the film critics that I follow are just generally sad that they've had to review like bomb after bomb after bomb in a row like i think the run from it was like men in black international was in there for sure and dark then there phoenix. was phoenix dark phoenix and then i think there was like one more that they were just like enough yeah <laughs> like we have been bombarded with these horrible blockbusters which i thought dark phoenix was just okay but um, everybody seemed to hate um men in black international but yeah at post endgame it's just kind of been uh a little bit of a bummer, I guess. Yeah, and we're recording this on July 2nd. So I went mm -hmm. and saw Spider-Man right before this. And, you know, I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. So mm -hmm. I might have been higher on Homecoming than some other Spider-Man fans that I know. So because of me liking that movie, I think it lifted my enjoyment of this one too, you know. Obviously, with the outcome of Endgame, and I won't spoil anything for anyone because okay. you know because I have not seen it, but I yes. would like a, I would like a little mini review because I'm I'm excited. So it deals with the aftermath of Endgame, but not in a way that sort of stunts the movie. In my opinion, Peter still has a lot of room for that sort of personal growth that he needs mm -hmm. because he's still like. 16 you know <laughs> yeah yeah in in universe he's 16 tom holland's probably what he's what like, is he, like 23 20... or something somewhere yeah, around there yeah. slightly so younger than me it's it's not as bad as the garfield movies but it's it's getting there like if, he, if he's not in college by the next movie that's when we're gonna be like all right <laughs> like we gotta age him up a little bit it's getting too ridiculous the age gap yeah and i don't know if they'll do a time jump between this one and the next one just based on how they ended it in like the mid-credits mm -hmm. scene and everything so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that because the way they explained it was you know everyone left for five years mm -hmm. or half the people you know but they yeah, didn't age yeah. so <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of how they explained that part away yeah, and i don't that, think that's, that's much that's of a spoiler if you've seen endgame so you yeah, know everybody comes back and they look the same and yeah so that they're going to have to, they have to explain that somehow in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a big Hall fan and uh, Mysterio is my all-time favorite Spider-Man villain, although I'm not um, a major comic person. I'm not well-read in that sphere. I really am relying on, you know, the cartoons and yeah. things like that. But he always was a big He's a fun love villain. of mine. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, though, it was a pretty good way to kick off the second half of my movie year since, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's only two days in right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I guess the other summer movie, the other movie people are hoping is going to save the summer is probably Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And I don't know if it will ever do so from <laughs> like an artistic standpoint, but I think it could probably... It'll I be think fun, it could be a big, yeah, a big smash hit at least, and people will go to the movies and have some fun. And the trailers are, the trailers reveal the entire film <laughs> beat by beat, basically. But it seems like everybody's kind of being charismatic in it and doing their thing and 
I mean, what else do you expect, I guess? <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> From these types of movies. There's so many movies in on that franchise that it's kind of like the MCU where people will just go mm. to see it to see what happens next. Yeah. They, they, we need to see if uh, Vin Diesel shows up in the mid credits. So we're, you know, <laughs> that's what we're going for at this point. Exactly. Well, let's dive into the first half of the year. But first, okay. I want to quickly discuss how we're staying on top of 2019 releases because there are several theaters that have subscription services and I really got back into movies with MoviePass last year until mm-hmm. that whole thing got very weird and made it very <laughs> difficult to go see anything. <laughs> yeah, they just stopped basically you couldn't see anything anymore, right? And everybody canceled. Yeah, I have yeah. one friend, Mitchell actually is still using it, I think, and he somehow gets it to work for him. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Cinemark movie club person, okay. and I know AM. I think the AMC A list, which you have down here, mm-hmm. that's, that's what like, I use now. Now, is that three times a week? Am I am I getting yes. that right? So it's okay. three times a week, and you can see movies in any format. Wow! So, so I used it to go IMAX, see. 3D, yeah, I used it to go whatever. see uh, Spider Man in Dolby today. Hmm. Now, what's the what's the difference between Dolby and just regular? Because um, I have a friend of mine who's also an A list member, and he a, fanat- a movie fanatic, and he'll use a lot of those films. But he's talked about Dolby before. Yeah, so basically, they have way more speakers in the room, and it literally oh, okay. like rumbles your seat <laughs> at times. Hmm. So it was just more full in the theater. You have the sound going from, you know, the right to the left and back to the right again. And it was just a different experience. I don't think I had seen anything in that kind of Dolby theater prior to this. I think I had seen something in Dolby Atmos, Atmos, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And it was kind of just a regular theater, but it seemed a little louder, I guess. I it was when I went to go see Winchester with my mom and my cousin like last year, I believe. A, and a natural Dobie movie. Yeah. Winchester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the one where uh the old what's that old lady? Helen Mirren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a house with all these ghosts and things. Yeah, right? it's the Winchester okay. house out here in California. Gotcha. Hmm. gotcha. Real house. Real uh, weird house. <laughs> so Cinemark Movie Club is a lot less intense than A List. It's okay. one it's one free credit a month for seven ninety nine, basically. Okay and that's still not bad no no you also get i mean it pays for itself because you also get um like 20 percent off of any food you want and since i go with my wife we we typically do get popcorn so like the savings that we've made off of it we've made money i I think i don't know maybe it just makes us buy more food because we think we're making money but i would say (laughs) we've we've made money off of doing the membership so i'm totally happy with it and like if i mean you get points so you get like 10 points every time you buy a ticket or whatever and yeah at 150 points you can buy another credit so i mean i think it does eventually pay for itself above and beyond i don't know if they're gonna i don't know if they'll ever unveil like a A list type program kind of like a movie club plus but yeah it's pretty light compare comparatively i think yeah, A-List has a lot going on because you can go in any format and then you also earn points every time you even just pay for your $20 a month subscription. Mm-hmm. So you're getting points and then after a certain number of points, you get a $5 reward and you can use that either on another ticket or on food or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I try to go see at least three movies a month to kind of pay for that $20. And you know, if right, you go right. see something in... IMAX or Dolby in the middle of the day, it's already almost $20. (laughs) So it's like kind of a no brainer to have it. And I had never seen a movie in IMAX either before this because I was like, I'm not going to pay like $18 to go (laughs) see this movie Mm -hmm. that I could see uh, for $5 or whatever in the morning. And they also have discount Tuesdays. It used to be $5 for a ticket, but now it's six. So if I'm taking my mom to go see something, I'll take her on like the discount Tuesdays and then sometimes Mm I have a $5 reward and I can apply it to that. So, you know, it's kind of nice that you still get to use your A-list for one of the tickets, even if you're ordering two and then they just do, you know, like the $6 because I just took her to see Toy Story 4 with me 
since she had sat here and rewatched the first three or we, we actually hadn't seen the third one, but you know, we had the VHS from when I was a kid still of toy story. So I was like, do you want to rewatch these with me? And, you know, so I would take her to stuff for, you know, mother's day, her birthday's coming up. I'm sure I'll have some other movie to take her to by then. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just nice to have that flexibility to use your a list and, not necessarily get dinged for buying an extra ticket. They just tack it on and yours is free, basically. Yeah, I think my last note on Cinemark, I don't know if they do this everywhere, but I know in Erie, they do some like summer promotion, at least at like, I think it's the beginning of the summer where it's just kind of like $6 tickets in all kinds of different scenarios. So it's not just on Tuesday. It's I think it's just like 20% off regular ticket price for a while. Okay. And I don't. it may not apply to say like Endgame or something, but they do give some sale, some sale at the beginning of the summer. So yeah, it is. I mean, I don't really like Cinemark because it has all of the symptoms of your traditional multiplex um, in that they show 20 previews. And (laughs) then like a couple more like stupid things. (laughs) And so you're, you're there for 20 minutes before the movie even starts. Um, some of the other bad, (laughs) some of the other bad things that multiplexes do, but Erie's kind of like a one theater town, right? Like a one traditional theater. We have other movie series type of things, but yeah, we're just, we got the one. It's a lot, a lot different than Los Angeles. I would probably say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm down in Orange County, but it's kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, there's a Regal around the corner from me, but because they don't have their own program like A-List, I drive, like, two miles further <laughs> to go to the AMC, so they're pretty close. Now, I don't know your I don't know your distance, but have you ever made the trek to the Tarantino, the New Beverly out there? I have not. I'm, okay. like, on a good day, I would say I'm an hour from L.A. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. And there are very few <laughs> yeah, good days. Yeah, I didn't days. know the distance. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, we're I'm actually going I'm actually coming to LA at the end of the month and it's the same time period that Once Upon a Time is uh, in Hollywood is opening up and um perfect opportunity. Coming, <laughs> perfect opportunity to go to the theater and I'm going to be seeing Michael S. Conwellis who hosts Stereo Confidential with me, so uh yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, always good to go out and see a movie at different theaters if you can too, just to like see what the experiences are like. I know Mm -hmm. in LA, there's what they call a 4DX theater, and they will literally like make it snow in the theater and stuff like that. (laughs) I've heard of this. Yeah, they'll spray you with water and (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not into that. (laughs) I'm not. Yeah, I'm not into that either. But some people swear by that movie experience. And I'm like, you know what? No. (laughs) I just want to relax. I want to relax. You know, I don't even when um, because they'll do the I guess it's the it's like the 3DX, right? Where they the chairs move and stuff. Yeah. And they'll do that. But like a couple rows away from you. And when it rumbles, you you can still feel it. Yeah. Like you can you can kind of get that rumble, but I'm I'm just more annoyed by that than anything. I'm like, okay, we get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can stop now. <laughs> it's too much. The movies, the movie should be stimulating without all that stuff. But whatever. Right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into what some of our favorite movies of the year have okay. been so far. You know, like you said, since Endgame, it's kind of been a little iffy. I would say the movie I've liked the most, as you know, not counting Spider Man since that's second half, but the movie that I've liked the most since Endgame, probably Toy Story four, and then. Mm-hmm. Booksmart and John Wick. You know, I think those were sort of the ones after Endgame that I was excited to go see, and I just really enjoyed going to see them. I I had Booksmart number one. Um, I'll just run through my top six because okay. number six number six is interesting. <laughs> I have Booksmart number one. I have High Flying Bird, the new Steven Soderbergh movie. Okay. Netflix number two, which he which for some reason he shot on an iPhone or whatever. <laughs> uh, number three, Us. Number four, I did have Endgame, although it does feel more like a celebration of Marvel than like an actual movie at times, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. It was fun. Uh, number five, John Wick 3. And then number six, I actually watched this last week, but I really loved it. The new Harmony Corinne movie, The Beach Bum. Okay. Was thoroughly enjoyable and everything I expected it to be in terms of having basically no plot, you know, a series of comedic ant- antidotes, basically. And um, 
very enjoyable within that structure, I would say. Um, it probably won't, I mean, it's it's not going to get any, like, end-of-year attention, but McConaughey is really just giving everything he has of kind of his hippie, the hippy-dippy side of his personality okay. <laughs> to this role. And that, I enjoy that, because when he goes serious, I'm kind of... I'm kind of iffy on his more serious side, but whenever he seems to be having fun within a role, I I dig that. So, well, True Detective, I also like that, but that's almost, yeah. he's so serious that it borders on parody. So <laughs> right. I guess if, if he's super serious or loose, I like him in those modes. It's the in-between that uh, that bugs me. Yeah. But, um, so you, you have not seen High Flying Bird. I have not, and I did not okay. see the beach bomb movie either so those are two on your list that i've heard quite a bit about it's just one of those things like netflix movies especially i just don't get to them as quickly as i typically intend to i think i have maybe three or four movies i've seen all year that were netflix movies and there are Mm -hmm. way more that came out than that you know i think the perfectionist is another one recently that a lot of people were talking about for good or bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the Al- that's Allison Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you'd like High Flying Bird. I mean, it's a basketball movie, first and foremost. And I know you're a basketball fan. Yes, that it I is, am. It is about, well, weirdly, I should say that it has like interstitials featuring NBA players like Carl Anthony Towns. Think Donovan Mitchell is okay. in there. Carl Anthony Towns is the one I remember because he he just kind of stood out as like why is Carl Anthony Towns in the <laughs> Steven Soderbergh movie? But anyways, uh, so they have these interstitials of NBA players, but the main story is it's during a strike, and uh, this agent is basically guiding his young kind of phenom type player through the strike and he's playing for base or he's going to be playing for what's basically the new york knicks and so um oh i can't remember the guy's name he's the lead detective in twin peaks well how am i forgetting his name Kyle mclaughlin is like the owner of the knicks or i don't think he's playing james dolan but he's playing just like a shrewd um businessman type of owner and so yeah, I think I think you'd enjoy that, or at least it should be. You should watch it to kind of complete your your basketball movie um, role of yeah. watched films, <laughs> and then yeah, like I said, uh, the Beach Bomb is not going to be for everybody. It is, it's a series of there. There again, there is a plot. Like he is a poet. Matthew McConaughey plays this poet named Moondog, <laughs> and. He is tr- basically trying to write his next great book, and some events happen that kind of motivate him to do so. Uh, but what's really what you really watch the movie for is he kind of travels from outstanding supporting performance to outstanding supporting performance. So there's a great section with Zac Efron. Uh, there is a great section, and the Zac Efron section also includes a lot of Creed, surprisingly, like the band. Um, there's a great section. With Martin Lawrence, there's a Jonah Hill shows up a few times and he's super memorable. So it's really, I think those are those are those are the standouts for me. And obviously McConaughey's lead performance is really good too. Snoop, Snoop Dogg has like a section that's really funny. So it's really Moon Dog kind of traveling in and out of these people's lives and kind of these supporting characters just being really funny. So, but it's very again, it's very much a low plot film a wandering film and one that um has a lot of uh sex and drugs in it and drinking that's that's what it is in a (laughs) nutshell yeah yeah but it's very it's very enjoyable and it's going to be the type of film that like people smoking weed like 20 years from now are still watching that's that's maybe that's the best way (laughs) to uh classify it but um what what were so you had toy story what were some of your others so my Top three in no particular order. Yeah. I've rated them all four and a half out of five. Mm-hmm. So I have Us, Avengers Endgame, and Toy Story 4 in that top tier. And mm-hmm. Booksmart would probably get bumped up to a four and a half on a second watch, but I gave it a four out of five first time around. And, you know, that was just such a really fun movie. And I'm really bummed that it didn't seem like more people went out to go see that. And yeah, Booksmart. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes it's just the smaller movies that really 
take me by surprise. It's kind of like how I felt when I watched Lady Bird and Love, Simon. Mm -hmm. So it was very along those lines, this sort of coming of age story that I think sticks with people, especially people who are probably, you know, early high school right now. And I just find those movies so interesting because they used to be so extremely popular. You know, if you look back to movies like Stand By Me, you know, people still talk about those today. And I'm one of those people because I host a Stephen King podcast. So it was inevitable (laughs) that I would talk about that movie at some point. But, you know, it's just that kind of movie can really stick with someone of a certain age and sort of just grow with them. Kind of like, you know, I think what the Harry Potter movies were for me, just because of being close in age to the people portraying those characters and Mm -hmm. just growing, especially with that as a franchise, growing with those characters over the years, you know. And while I don't think we'll be getting a book smart too or anything like that. I wish. (laughs) It is something that just made me remember that feeling like, oh, yes, here are relatable people. And it just felt so nice to watch something like that that wasn't a superhero movie. And don't get me wrong, I love my superhero movies too. Yeah, Booksmart is one of those movies that we may look back on in like 10 years and say, okay, everybody in this movie ended up being big. Like, you know how yeah. you watch Dazed and Confused and you're like, oh, that's there's Ben Affleck or there's this person or there's Parker right. Posey. All these people that eventually obviously did a lot of stuff. Booksmart has like that deep of a bench. Like you think of uh, Billy Lord kind of popping up as that the the girl who just kind of ends up everywhere. I can't remember what yeah. her name is, but she just appears in the movie so many times and in sort of like a magical <laughs> manner. Obviously, Caitlin Deaver is kind of like a star in the making. And yeah. she's been a great actress for many years. Um, she had a very long extended run on Justified. And was a standout in that. And then... Uh, she's in Last Man Standing. Yeah, she's yeah. also on that Tim Allen sitcom, but I don't know yeah. how many people saw that and were like, oh, look at her. No. Um, Justified, she really stands out in at quite a young age. And she seems like somebody that Marvel's going to pluck for something, you know, at some point. I wouldn't surprise me. I would not be surprised. And Beanie Feldstein is obviously already on her way and probably needs another breakout role, but... She's basically there. I mean, I just think that this is going to be one of those movies that, again, people watch and are like, God, that person's here in like a five minute role or that person's in it. Or, you know, I don't know what kind of directing career Olivia Wilde's going to have if this is going to be kind of her best movie or if she's going to, you know, turn into kind of a more journeyman director after this. But it's such an impressive debut both in the character work and just in kind of the visual flair she brings to it like there's just some shots that really shocked me i guess yeah. <laughs> like the the shot at the pizza shop which is a pretty you know it's not a super complicated <laughs> shot but it just showed a visual flair that i wasn't prepared for or like right. you know the underwater shot set to perfume genius there's just so many good moments in that movie and there's a couple possible stars. I mean, even the the kid that throws the party for himself. Oh, you know, yeah. It seems like he's going to pop in something in the next five years or so. So that's it'll be it'll be fun to follow that movie's legacy and see if it's like a I think classic. Super, yeah, super bad kind of had a similar thing where yeah they did the cops obviously were people that were already you know main individuals, but obviously Jonah Hill burst out from that and uh, i admittedly have not seen that movie in full and really yeah <laughs> oh, okay. i think it, i just typically don't watch comedies i watch a lot more like action drama thriller yeah, horror yeah. kind of stuff so comedies are more likely to slide by me and i've tr- been trying to get better at that because movies like book smart i do really really enjoy even though the, you know there's some serious aspects to book smart and as mm-hmm. people who have both graduated from high school at one point you know i think there's <laughs> a lot that really resonates in that movie and it was just something that yes it's really a comedy at heart but it still gets this important message across super bad had already is in a little bit of danger with some of the jokes, yeah. I think, 
like some of the use of probably didn't age as well as they thought it might <laughs> like the f word and not fuck like the other one is certainly present and yeah so i think it's it's pretty close to being one of those films that you watch and cringe at already right. but at the same time there is a an emotional backbone to super bad that's really admirable if you can if you can forgive some of those jokes, there is an emotional thread in Superbad that's really admirable and well constructed and deals with friendship in much of the same way that Booksmart does. And it's kinda of funny that Beanie Feldstein is in Booksmart and is Jonah Hill's sister. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like this it feels like the spiritual sequel to Superbad and it feels like a movie that um, understands the social climate a, a tad better than Superbad did. But also that movie came out when times were a little different. So the, some things that were allowed then wouldn't be allowed now for obvious and good reasons. But um, yeah, it feels like a spiritual sequel and something that has more of an eye towards social issues, I guess would be a good way of putting it. But yeah, I, I would watch Superbad just to... For reference. Just, yeah, just for that connection alone, because they are very similar movies. Like it's a it's a movie about getting to a party and about friendship and about kind of the last days of school. It has a lot in common. Yeah, from just like a core plot standpoint. I would also say that Booksmart was probably the surprise of the year for me with how much mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I saw the previews for it and I was like, okay, you know, I was familiar with Caitlin Deaver because my parents have watched Last Man Standing and <laughs> I, you know, I've caught some of the episodes in passing. It's not like I'm sitting there actively watching a Tim Allen show right, right. <laughs> right now. And she is pretty funny in that. So when I saw that she was in this, I was like, okay, you know, and that Olivia Wilde was directing, it just sort of made me decide to go see it based on those two things. And I don't even know if Billy Lord was in the preview material all that much, but she's been so. a great yeah. addition in like some of the American horror story seasons. So I was like, okay. Is is she Carrie Fisher's daughter? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. She she's in Last Jedi, right? She's like She's like one of the admirals the or something. Yeah. yeah. She she's one of the people in the on the bridge area. Okay. Um so you had us really high up, and so did I. And I think I put us pretty high, despite thinking the twist is bullshit. So <laughs> okay. are you of that same school of thought? Did you forgive the twist, uh, or did you like it? I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on the the Twilight Zone-ish ending and kind of how it colors the rest of the film. You know, I didn't mind it as much as I think some other people did. And I don't know if that's just because I wasn't paying close enough attention the first time I watched it. But then, of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And I was working it back in my head. I was like, yeah, I really see how they got there. And, you know, it's not the most exciting twist in the world. But I just really like sort of the world building that Jordan Peele did with that movie. Because mm -hmm. not only do you have, you know the vacation that they're going on and everything that's going on in the real world. But you have this sort of entire underworld that has this weird, creepy vibe to it. There are a ton of rabbits and a ton of scissors. <laughs> I don't know where they got either of them, but it's this very specific Yeah, where look. did they buy those scissors? <laughs> that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not like they were going up to the pier and just stealing scissors. You know, that's not a common item on a pier or anything with maybe games there's a, Maybe and there's rides. a scissor shop that they robbed. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I just thought it was visually appealing more so than anything else. I think what Jordan Peele was able to capture with Get Out really translated to him just having an understanding of sort of the modern horror genre, you know, I would put mm -hmm. movies like this, Get Out, and Hereditary sort of in that same top tier of modern horror movies right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, <sighs> the twist in Us, if you think about it for too long, it just kind of falls apart. And I think there was, <sighs> it's, he, he just did, too, he did too much at the end of the movie. Right, okay. he like uh, to me at least he he the world underneath was like too expansive. I suppose I think the twist should have been more 
abstract or theoretical. I'm trying to think of the right word. It's too practical okay. in the world. You know what I mean? Like the the underground society. If we're just spoiling it, it's too yeah. It's too practical. Like it, it has like a flow. It seems like like they're mimicking the movements of the people upwards. Um, I liked the idea that they switched. Again, to spoil. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 totally fine. Spoilers. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll, Spoilers we'll, have to put a, we'll have to put a spoiler warning on the episode. I, I enjoy the idea that they switched, but I didn't think it needed to be as expansive as it was, the idea, I suppose. Um, I guess that that's as far as I'll go. But I, every time I've thought about the movie, it kind of like it falls apart a little bit for me. But I love I think the performances are so strong. Yeah. And like the first three quarters of the film are so just uh, energizing and um, dreadful and cool and like everything about that. And just the general conceit of the family showing up at the house is so thrilling that I just I guess I tend to forgive everything that happens in like the last 10 minutes. So <laughs> that's, yeah. I guess that's what I'll say. Yeah. I think it's easier to forgive because it's only in the last 10 minutes. If they were mm-hmm. sort of doing that the entire time, you'd be like, okay, well, this isn't quite as exciting of a movie, but yeah, I'm glad you brought up the performances because I really, yeah. really hope Lupita gets more leading roles like this, not necessarily in the horror genre, but just because I thought she was so good playing these two characters, one that was taken at such a young age that she knows how to speak when everyone else doesn't. So she's kind of a loner in that sense as Red, Mm -hmm. because everyone else just makes noise and she's the only one who can sort of think for herself. And then she adapted as a girl too after the switch and is able to be extremely articulate when she wants to be, but still sort of has this loner vibe to her even though she has a family yeah she plays the i think it would be a movie that played really well on a rewatch simply because you you'd be able to watch her performance and really focus in on yeah like the things you're talking about the fact that she is a loner which kind of has a reason in your original viewing but obviously Mm -hmm. takes on a whole different um meaning the second time around uh like, Get Out's the superior movie. Yeah. But I think Us is anchored by the better performance. Like, it's going to be a classic horror performance. You know, up there with... God, I, now I've gotten myself in a pickle. Now I have to, like, <laughs> name great horror performances. But, like, you know, Tim Curry as Pennywise or... Um, is it Mia Farrow and Rosemary's Baby, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of... It's going to go in that canon of great horror performances. And I think that's... I'll take that with, the with like, the iffy ending. Like, if that's what we get out of us is, like, she gets an Oscar nomination and we get a great horror performance, then that's totally cool with me. Like, if that if that's what it ends up being. Um, yeah. And, you know, they got Tim Heidecker in a horror movie, which is great. So, who he plays Elizabeth Moss's husband. Kind of like the big, the big Ophi guy. Yeah. And Elizabeth Moss has a very good performance, too. Yeah, she's good. I mean, again, there's great scenes like the, the NWA scene in the yeah. <laughs> house when, when that when that plays and it's a really well-made movie I, I i keep making like excuses for the for the ending i don't like but i like so much <laughs> else about it that i hate like trashing on the ending because okay not to overthink it but how so we're to we're to think that the people down below mimic the movements of the people up top right yeah that's the idea? Okay. So did they travel with them to the beach or were they always at the beach? Do you see kind of like where Yeah, I do know. <laughs> I don't where I don't understand what's happening. Or is it just in that town that these things are happening? That's I guess that's my question. But I'm again I'm overthinking it. So Yeah, it it's one of those things where, like you said, if you think too much about it, you're like, wait, does this logic work? <laughs> <laughs> and then I I had John Wick three at five. And Same. I feel like I mostly gave it that just because of the technical achievement that John Wick 3 is. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to get, uh, I don't know if I want to call it diminishing returns, but the violence of the new one. It's a lot. Is so, it's so overwhelming that I, I'm like starting to feel a way I don't want to feel watching John Wick movies. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just getting so desensitized to him, like 
shooting people in the head or stabbing them in the head or throwing a knife at their chest or getting a horse to kick them in the head. Like (laughs) there's so many, like there's so much death in the new one that when the dogs start killing people, I'm like, well, at least it's not humans killing people. So that feels (laughs) a little bit better. (laughs) And uh, really they're just setting, setting them you know, more human killing up to happen because they just kind of like immobilize people. But uh, yeah, did you feel the same way about this new one that it just kind of, I don't know, at some point I'm like, all right, enough enough with the killing. Like it's too much at this point. Yeah, it definitely did feel like a lot more in this one in comparison the to, body count yeah. yeah in comparison to the first two movies and it was a lot to take in you sort of just have to like sit with it for a little afterwards and be like okay here's what was really good about everything else though you know just visually that movie has to be so hard to pull off yeah it's i mean just the stunts like yeah. the, it's it's again it's a technical achievement it's one of the greatest it's it's up there with the raid and the raid too in terms of like just technical action movie achievements uh, especially the raid one because it that movie has just some insane fight scenes in it but uh <laughs> also it has one of the greatest villain performances definitely the best villain performance of the trilogy but probably one of the best villain performances i've seen in recent years with the dude from um iron chef america yeah <laughs> showing up randomly <laughs> Just like as a sushi chef and then having these excellent scenes at the end where they like respect each other so much (laughs) like that. It was just a very, a very fun twist on uh, the idea of the villain is like he respects John Wick so much that he's like taking a pleasure in being a villain because of that. Not because he likes to be evil. Seems like he's a fine person, but he just like wants to face off against John Wick, which is what I really love about that whole relationship. Yeah, or it it's was an really honor, fun. I suppose. Yeah, right. He definitely felt honored to be going up against John Wick, <laughs> yeah. and some of the other assassins did as well. You know, there were yeah, two the other, other two guys. guys. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and they were just so thrilled to be fighting against John Wick. <laughs> it sort of added this little bit of comedic relief that you kind of needed in a movie with so much killing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, personally, I was very excited that there were more dogs in the movie because. I really like dogs. <laughs> and you and know, none of them got killed, which which was good. Exactly. You know, all the dogs are fine in this one. Mm-hmm. All the dogs are fine. I hate when animals die in films. Uh, oh, yeah. The other two guys that you're talking about, those are guys from The Raid. Okay. So there, there's your connection between the two. So that's cool. Now, are we doing bad movies too? Yeah, I figure we could sort okay. of just mention like the bottom couple okay. on our list here. And, you know, I wouldn't say... I seen any movies from this year that are super super bad i mean you know i just watched a return to salem's lot the other day and that movie was really really bad and granted it's not a 2019 movie so it doesn't make this list but i've seen very very bad movies this year that's like legit bad so everything else looks okay (laughs) yeah Yeah. but you know the bottom two on my list are rated two and a half out of five which isn't horrible So I have Dark Phoenix down there and Nancy Drew in the Hidden Staircase. And it's not that I thought that Nancy Drew was necessarily bad. I think it just wasn't kind of what I was hoping it would be based on Mm -hmm. having read some of the books when I was a kid. And, you know, Dark Phoenix, I'm going to be doing an episode on that soon, too. So I don't want to dive into that one too terribly much. But it seems like they've just had a very tough time getting a Jean Grey storyline right they can't do it. Yeah. Like the guy, I mean, it's the same guy. Like Simon Kimberg, I believe, wrote uh, Last Stand, or at least was one of the credited writers. Mm-hmm. And then he did so bad that first time, Fox is like, hey, do you want to direct the next one? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Like, stop giving this guy chances at the same story. He obviously doesn't know how to do it. So I thought this one was slightly better than. The last stand, but it still had a lot of problems. And how much are we just giving credit to Fassbender just being like the rock of all of these movies? Like Fassbender shows up and he even makes that ridiculous scene at the island or camp with the helicopters. Yeah, where they're like basically making like I'm pooping faces. (laughs) And he somehow like sells that. So I mean, I just think it's. 
it's so beneficial that they have two, uh, or probably more, but the two main people are Oscar caliber guys. You know, yeah. McAvoy and Fassbender are just such good actors that they carry so much of the bullshit that these movies try to give us, try to serve to us, and Fassbender especially. I mean, has has he really ever been better than in First Class when he shows up to that bar and, you know, is hunting those Nazis. That's really the peak of his character. Right. And it's just been diminishing scripts that he's received ever since. And Jennifer uh, Lawrence so. was like, I'm out, bye. <laughs> oh, yeah, her contract's up, and she's like, can you just kill me off? Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, she was horrible. I mean, she's been bad in those movies for a couple of them now, but um, did you did you think it was better or worse than Apocalypse? I had not seen Apocalypse I skipped that that one altogether because I (laughs) heard how bad bad. it was. Yeah. It's at least like, it's Batman and Robin bad where it's like so ridiculous. (laughs) Like you're like, wait, (laughs) what's happening? Like uh, they go to, they go to um, like a concentration camp at one point and it's ridiculous. But anyways, Um, so I had, I had Velvet Buzzsaw pretty low. Like, okay, that's on my list to watch still. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed in that one, and I'm a big Hall fan, and he's kind of doing his weird Hall thing, and it's still not very good. Um, I also had, because I'm trying to see the actual stars, I gave Velvet Buzzsaw 2 out of 5. And then, oh, I gave Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile 2 stars. That was the Ted Bundy Efron movie. I thought that was a slog. And then the other one that I was really disappointed in was um, Detective Pikachu. Okay. I thought that was pretty... I did not like that movie. I don't know. Did you see that one? Yeah, I had that one kind of middle of the road for me. I have a good chunk of movies that fall in the three to three and a half star range for me. And Mm -hmm. I put Detective Pikachu at a three. And, you know, maybe I am putting a little too much stake into Ryan Reynolds. But, you know, (laughs) I just think... It was one of those things where, you know, I've kind of been semi taking a trip down memory lane because I unearthed all of my old Game Boy games and stuff. And okay, just so you were sh- in the mood. Yeah, and just the sheer yeah. amount of Pokemon stuff that I still have. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm kind of I kind of want to see this movie. So I went and saw it. I had some fun with it. I don't think the story was anything particularly fantastic. But I think it just hit me with enough nostalgia to where I was like, you know what, this is enjoyable, I'll forgive quite a few things kind of like, you know, I think when you like certain aspects of a movie like you do with us, it's a lot easier to forgive some parts of it. And, you know, Uh sometimes you just can't do that. And I was willing to with this one, I was like, you know what, I sat here, had a good time, really wanted to play Pokemon afterwards, got some trading cards, you know, it was fun. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I probably would have liked it even less, but Psyduck gives it like a whole star, so that's that's what I'll say about that movie. I love Psyduck. He's a he's you know a journalist partner, and he's really angsty and nervous, and that's like a great display of journalism. So <laughs> in the in the present day, um, I'm I'm just looking over my list here. Probably the only other one I would throw out there is Letterbox did let you log. Um, the Lonely Island Bash Brothers thing, which I really loved. So okay. that's in there. And I'd probably say another one I was disappointed by was Captain Marvel. Wasn't a huge fan of that, but that's okay. It was just middle of the road Marvel and Endgame was a lot better. So I, I, for, I for, forgave it. So Captain Marvel was one of those where I knew going into it that it was going to set up not only captain marvel's appearance in endgame but also some future things for the mcu just because of Mm -hmm. the direction it seems like they want to go in obviously nothing's official by the time some of you are listening to this it will be san diego comic-con though so who knows what new information we will have so yeah are they doing like a are they doing a panel this year marvel i feel like marvel has to be doing something just because you know spider-man is out now and i don't know if you can have a movie in theaters and ignore san diego comic-con at the same time well they seem to save everything for their for disney the d23 yeah it seems like they just save everything like it used to be that paul h was like every year we would get 
like a cool so advanced trailer, like, yeah, movie announcements. Uh, that's where they started. I mean, that's where they announced, like, the first phase of um, the MCU when Edgar Wright was still directing Ant-Man, and that was still part of phase one. So it is kind of disappointing that they've kind of abandoned that, but Comic-Con also seems like a nightmare, so what do I know? So <laughs> it seems like a really, like, st- stressful experience. So maybe they're just like, forget it. We'll be fine without it. So Yeah, there's so much going on with Marvel still. I'm just kind of like, okay, what exactly did these Spider-Man post-credits mean <laughs> and that sort of thing? And Yeah, we're, we're I think we're about to get a new wave of movie announcements, you know, Black Widow and Doctor Strange 2, I believe, is like shooting this fall, so it's coming. Finally. <laughs> yeah, there'll be announcements and everything on that and obviously Spider-Man just dropped. So like we're we're getting into that next phase of stuff from them. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But, you know, we've clearly had a lot of movies that we've agreed on, both for favorites and for sort of not so great movies. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> what sort of determines which movies you are going to see in theaters versus, you know, maybe staying at home, watching something new on Netflix, or just waiting until a movie comes out later to go see it? Are you sort of actively going to the theater like a few times a month or do you just sort of go when you really feel strongly about seeing a movie um i'll usually let the reviews uh suss it out i guess like uh i mean me and me and my wife are men in black fans it's always on cable so we'll rewatch it we enjoy it and once i saw the reviews are bad i just didn't suggest going to see it so we kept, we were kind of out on that one i didn't see that either yeah she's much less like i'll check the rotten tomatoes score although i don't really care about that i, I really care more about particular critics that i read um like a david sims or a david ehrlich or some people not named david i'm sure <laughs> but those are just the two that popped in my mind but uh <laughs> uh yeah i think mo- generally i will check the reviews and if it's good we'll I'll push for it, and if it's not, you know, I'll, I'll just, uh, like, we'll watch Men in Black International on Prime Rental or whatever. Uh, we'll watch, I'm trying to think of another one I skipped recently, like Toy Story 4. We don't we don't usually go see the animated movies in theaters. We'll wait. Like, we saw Incredibles 2 on Netflix. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll wait until those things hit streaming and everything. I'm just, I'm not invested in the animated stuff too much. Although, although I do usually, I'll end up enjoying it, but uh, I don't. I won't usually carve out time to go see it. Yeah, animated movies are a little iffy for me in theaters too, just because the amount of children going to go see it. Yeah, who yeah don't know yeah, how to act in a movie theater. Like we went to see Toy Story four, and there was a crying child behind us. They weren't crying the <laughs> entire time. It was like little bursts here and there, a few times uh-huh. throughout the movie, and then there was like another one on the opposite side of the theater. <laughs> but yep. you know, it's one of those things where. I have the flexibility in my schedule to go, you know, at nine in the morning or whatever. And I know you sometimes have that kind of flexibility, you know, with your breaks from school, I would imagine, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to be able to do that because then I can sort of control the movie experience a little more. But there are still some things that drive me crazy. Like I will pick a seat in a theater that only has like four seats taken. And someone will still take a seat right next to me. I'm like, what (laughs) are you doing? I literally canceled my reservation one day and moved my seat two seats over because there were five people in the theater and someone sat next to me. I was like, are you blind? Like, what is going on? My theater doesn't have the uh, the movie seat reservation. So that's interesting. I actually did it for the very first time. I went to Austin this year. And I did it at the Alamo Draft House. Okay. That was the first time I had ever reserved a seat. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, you know, you, you described something earlier about how High Flying Bird had been on Netflix and you hadn't seen it. And I would assume part of it's because, well, it's going to be there. I can watch it later. And yeah. I think that's, <laughs> it's funny because there's movies like Triple Frontier, which seems like a film that's like right up my alley with all these guys that I like or, it, you know, ironically like like for Aflac and you know, somebody like that. If that if that movie was in the theaters, I probably would have went and seen it. You know, I probably would have made time for it. But since it's on Netflix, it's still, I'll get to it. You know, it's so I think that just ha- the availability certainly changes uh, some of my priorities, you know, on certain films. Or, you know, recently, like I started paying for Sling. 
Okay. For it was like really the end of the NBA playoffs. I wanted slang for for uh, TNT, and we've just kind of kept it around. But so I've been watching a lot of cable like stuff. So I'll you know Adam's Family is always on. Um, all the Marvel movies like they hit those super super hard during the summer because the movies are coming out. So like. When Endgame was coming out, they were like on every channel. Right. So <laughs> yeah. you could watch 20 Minutes of Civil War, go over to Dark World, you know, which USA plays on like a loop. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll catch things on cable or watch 20 Minutes of something or whatever, you know. So I think it, it, part of its availability and funny stuff like, oh, Practical Magic is on <laughs> uh, Amazon Prime. My wife wants to watch it sure let's watch it and so like sometimes we'll just do things like that but or um the spy who dumped me we just watched because it was on prime or hbo you know prime or whatever and so like i'll definitely watch things that i wouldn't normally watch because they're just kind of there so that's that's been fun you know i've caught some things for the first time that i haven't been able to before yeah and that kind of dives into like movies we haven't seen yet but want to Mm -hmm. and you know i've seen triple frontier that extremely wicked the ted bundy movie on netflix and then the Mm -hmm. highwaymen those are the three new netflix movies i've watched this year and those i tend to watch more so when i don't have anything else like time sensitive to watch either for you know this podcast or i give like the netflix shows priority typically just because they take so much more time to get through you know like i watch jessica jones and happen to do a podcast on it so that's kind of why i watch that faster Mm -hmm. than usual but i think again like you said it's sort of just the fact that it's always going to be there because it's a netflix original it's like as long as netflix is around i have time to watch this so there's not really that sense of urgency you know and you mentioned not seeing Men in Black International, that might be something I end up waiting for because I think it's sort of dwindling in theaters right now. But I do still want to see some things like Annabelle Comes Home, Child's Play, and some other movies that are kind of big movies, but not necessarily huge movies like the Disney movies that are all coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I, I was just looking through my list here. Another one that I just wanted to point out that I thought was a a lot better than I thought it was going to be was Shazam. I was very pleasantly surprised by Shazam and just kind of the the twist at the end of that one was, was entertaining. So... Yeah, so how we keep track of our movies and rankings is something I like to discuss with people. Typically, if I'm talking about a movie, I'll ask someone what their ranking is at the end of Mm -hmm. the podcast and everything. And I've really come to love using Letterboxd for this. There is an app called Sofa that I believe Jacob Tender introduced me to, and it sort of takes everything and puts it into one app. So it's kind of like a combination of iShows, Letterboxd, and Goodreads. He Mm. sent it to me because he was like, you know, I read so much and I watch so much stuff. He was like, this might be the perfect app for you. And I think because I was already so invested in the other ones, I never really got into it. And I've stuck with Letterboxd for movies, for now at least. I always change my apps up. I'm I'm always trying new things too. So That's that's the one I use. Yeah, Letterboxd for sure. I really just Uh. like the look and the ease of using that one you know you just type in the movie or you know it pops up because everyone else on your friends list is watching it (laughs) well and i like the list function like you i have like a a need to watch list and it's basically all the things that okay i'm gonna put this on there hopefully i'll get to it at some point um the other thing i've been doing this year is every movie i watch that's a new 2019 release i will place into the ranking so like I didn't I don't have to rank something at mid year because I've been ranking them as I've been going. So that's that's something that I've done for the first time. And then I've I've kind of been going back through and just like I started at two thousand and nine. I don't know why, but I've been going back through and trying to name like the top twelve movies of every year. Okay. For for me. And so I'm going through the two thousands and trying to do like so yeah, it has like a lot of it has like that cool list function, and I'm a letterbox person. I love it. I'll keep using it. And yeah. uh, 
Maybe I'll even pay for it someday. Maybe. <laughs> Same. We'll see. <laughs> the only list I have is the MCU list for when I was doing all of those Gaia. podcast episodes because I was like, okay, I need to remember sort of where this roughly falls. I don't have them ranked. I just sort by, you know, highest rating to lowest rating and then kind of mm-hmm. look at it and go from there because sometimes I'm like, did I really rate this? This high, you know, for some of them. <laughs> and, you know, while I generally love a lot of the MCU movies, there are plenty that are just okay to not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to do that list at some point. It's uh, it's Thor Ragnarok and then a whole bunch of others. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see how the rest of them go. But yeah, that's that will be a fun list to make at some point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap up with some of the movies All we're right. looking forward to for the second half? You know, I okay. obviously already mentioned Spider-Man. We talked about Hobbs and Shaw briefly. But for me, I think the movie I'm absolutely looking forward to the most is It Chapter 2. I was going to actually ask you about that when uh, you brought up your Stephen King podcast. So you're you're a fan of the new take. Yeah, I like okay. how they handled everything in the first movie. Because the thing with the TV miniseries while Tim Curry was also an iconic Pennywise, it doesn't mm-hmm. cover everything in the book. It sort of just covers what the first movie covered for the remake. And I don't believe we saw any of the kids as adults in the miniseries. It just focused on the story from when they were kids. And this is just going to sort of be a more complete version of the book as far as an adaptation goes. I thought the mini. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't watched it because the movie box terrified me as a child. <laughs> but I thought the mini series bounces back and forth. I thought that was the difference to where the movie is splitting it into two into two very distinct chapters: child and adult. I think the mini series um, goes back, bounces back and forth. So it shows some child stuff and then it shows some adult stuff. That's how I think it goes. So maybe maybe one of your King fans can... Uh, have you watched the miniseries? I watched it a long time ago. Like, okay. it was one of those okay. things where I watched it earlier than I probably should have. I'm pretty sure there is adult stuff okay. because... Um, the you know the Jessica Chastain scene. There is. I I stand corrected. Yeah, because okay, okay. John Ritter, Richard Thomas, and some other familiar names play the adult versions. And I guess maybe gotcha. just because I only maybe remember it wasn't the kids. very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the the part that I vividly remember seeing was from the scenes when they were kids. So I think yeah, that yeah. stuck with me because I definitely remember Pennywise like coming up in that scene where he pulls Georgie into the sewer. Mm -hmm. Like that part, I vividly (laughs) remember seeing on the TV screen. And then I think maybe everything else sort of just fell away. But I kind of like how they've updated the Pennywise look. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a great performance. I I'm fully on team Skarsgard. Like I think he's tremendous in that first movie and I like how it's more I really like the new take, if that wasn't clear, but I like how it's more adventure film yeah. than really a horror movie. It's more uh, I wouldn't say it has more in common with Goonies, but it has like an adventurous spirit. And uh, there's some horror in there, but it's more like funhouse type of horror. And that's cool to me because I'm kind of a wuss and I don't want like, I don't want gore or whatever, you know? It, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. And, you know, someone's probably yelling at me, firing me from my own Stephen King podcast because <laughs> I got that mixed up, but I haven't oh, rewatched okay. the miniseries at all. So well, I was kind of just going Maybe you'll have to do memory. an episode on it. Well, yeah, it's 1990. So I'm, I'm a few Stephen King years away from it. I'm on 87 stuff right now. So Oh, you're doing the, you're I didn't know you're doing it by year. Oh yeah, I'm doing it chronologically. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it'll be like going until 2021, 2022 just because <laughs> of how many right. more upcoming things are happening because we have it chapter 2 coming in September. Stephen King has yeah, a book yeah. coming out in September and then Doctor Sleep is coming this fall too, which is a continuation of the shining story Mm -hmm. so that i am also looking forward to and it'll be a while before i podcast on those clearly now but i think you know star wars another thing i (laughs) bet a lot of people are looking forward to oh yeah that's coming out this year i forgot about that wow 
they're they're really pushing those out fast and furious like i feel like i'd be more excited if they were if it was a longer gap but i i, t- I totally forgot they were making <laughs> that last one yeah um i had i had uh once upon a time in hollywood i'll just run through mine really quick um obviously excited about that one that looks good yeah it chapter two i'm all on board for that there's a movie called ad astra coming out which is directed by James Gray, who did The Lost City of Zed, has Brad Pitt. It's a space movie, all all ingredients that I'm into. Um, not Terminator Dark Fate. Sorry, I'm scrolling as I'm looking at these. It's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Knives Out. Knives Out was the other big one. That The trailer for that actually dropped today. That's the new Ryan Johnson movie, director of The Last Jedi, director of Brick, director of um, all kinds of great movies, Brothers Bloom, and he is doing a, a mystery movie with like Chris Evans and Daniel Craig and Lakeith Stanfield and Jamie Lee Curtis and somebody, you know, Christopher Plummer. It's got a stacked cast and it's like a mystery uh, murder movie and uh, it looks awesome. So those are those are the big ones i would say i would put lucy in the sky as another one that i'm excited about it's another space movie for some reason and uh directed by noah hawley he is the guy that did legion and uh the new fargo series and this is (laughs) the story they based it on and i might have to look up the details of this but it was a female astronaut who came home from a trip and I believe, do you remember the story about the astronaut, the female astronaut who drove like cross country and (laughs) was wearing a diaper? Do you remember this? I'm not familiar with that story. Okay. I'm just looking up Lucy in the sky diaper. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, okay. So the actress plays a character loosely based on Lisa Nowak. A the NASA explorer who made headlines. I got all these pop-ups. Explorer who made headlines in 2007 for allegedly assaulting an Air Force captain, and among other things, allegedly wearing a diaper on her 900-mile revenge journey. So I don't know if it's going to include that part of the story, but uh, <laughs> it uh, that's the story it's based on. So interesting. We'll see. We'll see if there's any diapers in the movie. But th- th- those are all mine. Yeah, and obviously there's other stuff that I will probably plan to go see. Like, I just saw a preview for The Goldfinch coming out in September, and Mm -hmm. that looks pretty good just because of who's in that movie. You have Ansel Elgort, you have Sarah Paulson, Nicole Kidman, just so many familiar names and faces. I was like, you know what? I haven't read the book, but I will probably go see that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I saw the trailer for that one. That was like a big book at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah, got it. And then, I mean, Joker's coming out later this year, too, but eh. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard some things about that one, huh? It, it's like, it looks like it would be interesting just because it's Joaquin Phoenix and he's been doing some weird and yet interesting things. And <laughs> as always. But then at the same time, it's like, did we need a Joker movie? <laughs> No. The the answer you're looking for is no. no. <laughs> we did not. <laughs> and it's also directed by the guy that did the hangover, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a hard pass on that. Yeah, I'll probably go see it just because I have A list and it offers me the flexibility yeah. to go see like twelve movies a month if I want to. Maybe maybe they'll put it in four DX and uh <laughs> make the trip pump up in to some, LA. <laughs> pump in some cigarette smoke and other things that will surely be in this dark and gritty take. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where things go with DC, though, because the Joker movie will obviously be a stark difference from Shazam. And then the vibe Mm -hmm. of Wonder Woman 1984 just looks totally different than everything else they've done. So, you know, I think. Well, they're just kind of letting directors do what they want, right? Yeah, I mean, and... they're not they're not trying to link things anymore. They're like, let's just make some good movies and then we'll worry about all that other stuff later. I think that's the right move for them at this point, though. You know, even yes. if people aren't thrilled with the Joker movie, I do like that it seems like they're taking more chances on some of these characters. So I think 2020 and 2021 have a lot more DC movies that I'm looking forward to, like Wonder Woman, Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. the Harley Quinn stuff that they're doing. And they've been doing some interesting things with DC Universe as far as the shows go lately. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really want to like the DC movies again. 
The Joker, also starring Robert De Niro and uh, Mark Maron. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see if De Niro is asleep all the in this performance. Dudes. Yeah, all the white dudes. And the the lead from, not Donald Glover, but the female lead from Atlanta, Zazie. Zazie Beats? Yeah, she's in it too. Okay, well, if she's in it, I will probably go see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, I think that wraps things up. It's definitely been a lot of fun talking movies with you. I know we will definitely have to have you back on the podcast. It took way too long, you know. This is going to be episode one hundred and. 40 something (laughs) well congrats on that that's a lot of episodes thank you Um, yeah no definitely a return trip sooner yeah definitely and is there anything you want to plug before you go sure i have a podcast it's called stereo confidential we go through band discographies and basically try to understand bands and try to we jokingly say that we try to solve them but it's more so that we try to understand their narrative path and their their career path and kind of the path that they took with their with their uh, albums and their progression and all that stuff so it's a it's a fun look through discographies right now we're doing uh, hello goodbye and that's been really entertaining. Uh, we've done Copeland. That was our first series. And then we did uh, the Yeah And now we're in our third one, Hello Goodbye. And this is an extension of what was previously the Modern Vinyl Podcast. Um, just under a new name, but still a, a music show and one that's heavily researched and um, a lot of fun. Yes, and I would like to thank you for being the first Patreon supporter for both of my podcasts. I've failed miserably about no <laughs> getting problem. that in a podcast here lately. <laughs> no problem. It was my pleasure. And uh, if you have a level above a dollar, I'll, I'll contribute further. But, you know, I'm just at that dollar level right now. So I did add a $5 level. And oh, geez. That, I'm, I'm That lets slacking. you pick a topic for this podcast. And since it's you, you, oh. can, you can come on for that topic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm now paying for my guest spots. I like that. That's that's how to do it. That's how I trick right. you into it. <laughs> cool. Cool. I will have that Patreon link in the show notes for anyone else who is interested in donating. You can follow the podcast at Geekdom Pod on Twitter. Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>